0: Uh, Before we jump into uh, our message this morning, uh, I would love for you to open up your programs, and you'll notice a couple of inserts in there. One of the inserts you'll find, it says local missions, and on the back, foreign missions. Um, The mission church was started a little over five years ago, and every single year, one of the things that we've done is we've taken about a month's worth of time each year, and it's just slowed down and zeroed in. On mission work, our call to um, mission work by God, and then um, our opportunities that we might have as a church for both local and global mission. Um, What we've also done at the end of this kind of uh, month of zeroing in on missions is we've taken a special offering, um, and and we use 100% of the special offering towards local and global mission efforts, a great amount of the money that we have used over the past few years is in Sierra Leone. We've had the opportunity of training and equipping um, numerous of the locals there to be ministry leaders, Um, 16 of them in the past three and a half, four years now, 16 of them have gone on and planted churches. Um, We've been able to see um, over a thousand people come to salvation in those churches, several hundred baptisms. Um, and, and so just, I just want to say thank you so much for um, many of you giving to those efforts in the years past. Um, we actually have a very unique and exciting opportunity moving forward. Uh, these 16 church plants were um, done with us partnering with a couple of missionaries, Van and Janice. They are on their way out of Sierra Leone retiring Van is in his early ladies, and Janice is in her late seventies. How awesome is that? I I hope that I'm in my early eighties doing ministry. I'm not looking at my wife. I'm wondering she's like, we are not moving to Sierra Leone, sweetie. We are, we're not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Yes, no, maybe so. She just smiles. She's going, yeah. Yeah, Um, (laughs) side story. Yesterday, I'm like, uh, I said, is it weird for? I, I said. Do you ever, like, listen to a sermon and you're like, oh, yeah, I needed to hear that from my husband. Yeah, that was good. She's like, I don't see you as my husband when you're up there. As, as you're, I see you as our, the pastor. So, wow, that is awesome. Um, so if I ever need to, like, get anything across to Melissa and it seems like I'm, there's this hidden message in a message, um, I'm not doing that. That would be sin. Um, in, anyways... Anyways, uh, so here, Van and Janice, they're um, moving on their way out of Sierra Leone, and so one of the things that um, we get to be a part of is there's a couple of people in our church, Cyrus Moffey being one of them, he always sits in the front row here. Um, uh, He started um, what's called Revive Africa, and really just partnered with a village in Sierra Leone, um, and has been able to um, empower them to build a building inside this building. There's now a Christian school. For kids that most likely otherwise wouldn't have an education period, let alone a Christian education, Um, there is a church plant that has been started inside of this building. So a new church plant has been planted in the past six, eight months or so. He shared with me that um, about 53 people have been baptized in this church. I just want to say praise God. Amen. And you're not even in your early 80s yet. It's crazy. Um, not even close, either. Not even close. I'm not even gonna say anything about your wife. She's yeah. Uh, and 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 they have been able to do some incredible things. Um, in Sierra Leone, Africa, and we're actually going to highlight that significantly next week. I hope I got us started on the back. It talks about our foreign missions, and the reason why we want to highlight this is because we want to take a portion of our special offering that we take June 11th, and we want to come alongside, revive, and partner with them in what they're doing in in both their uh, expanding the Christian school, and they're also hoping to train and equip more of the leaders to do uh, both uh, pastoring and teaching. And, and there's much more beyond that, too, that we're going to share next week and, and the following week. On the back is our local missions. Um, one of the things that I'm not sure you've realized, but if you look around um, Renton and the greater Renton area, there are some incredible... Um, organizations that are doing gospel-centered work in a way that we, frankly, would not be able to do alone as a church. Last week, we highlighted Young Life. They meet here in Hazen, right here in this area, on a different night of the week. Um, and they are always in desperate need of men and women who want to just give their life over to young people. My understanding is that the majority of the people who come to Young Life, they don't know Jesus. Um, and yet, they're going to be hearing about Jesus. And, and how many of you, you look back, and there was someone in your life that played a significant role in you understanding and coming to know the gospel? Any, anyone? Okay. What if you were that person for, for one of these Young Life students? How incredible would that be? And maybe it's not Young Life, maybe, maybe it's something else. Today we're going to highlight Vision House. Um, they are a Christian organization organization that are right down the road from us, and uh, they do all kinds of great things. John, the, the, the director and co-founder, is going to share at the end of service and talk about ways that you can um, jump in and serve. They specifically work with families that, that otherwise might be homeless, and they provide housing for them. Uh, a high priority are the single moms there. They also work with the young kids. There's also way more than I even know. And so that's why John gets to come up and share. And there's probably about eight to ten different ways that you could jump in and serve. And so um, my hope is that as we talk about um foreign and local missions that I hope that we, on June 11th, when we do our special offering, my prayer is that we would all give generously. That is a different amount to different people, but my hope is also that you would pray and ask God, God, are you calling me to come alongside and give an hour or two or three of, of my week or of my month to one of these local ministries to make an impact in, in the life of just maybe one person or maybe two people? Um, I would love for you to pray about that. And hopefully we gave you a head start with a few different ways that you can plug in. And we're going to talk about the rest of these in the weeks to come. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25. And we are, uh, this is like part two of a two-part message. Um, I didn't want to preach for an hour last week, correction, I would have loved to, you didn't want me to preach for an hour last week, y'all selfish people. Um, so we, we shortened it up, and so this is part two, um, which is very helpful because the way this parable breaks down is it is a bit of a two-part parable. Um... What often happens is there's more time given and more time preaching and more time pointing to the first part of this parable than the second part of the parable. But what we're going to find is Jesus spends almost twice as much time on the end of the parable than than the beginning of the parable, the the middle part where it talks about the guys who get it right. He talks way more about the guy who gets it wrong than the two guys who get it right. Right. And so um, I started last week by pointing out that this parable, in my opinion, you can throw your opinion in also in on this. In my opinion, this might be one of the the weightiest parables that Jesus gives. One of the more powerful parables, the most challenging the most weighty the most oh my goodness is it saying what I think it's saying is is, how does that apply to me it's one of those extremely weighty weighty parables and the reason why I say that is that there is this big weighty question that Jesus is begging us to ask and answer in light of this parable There's this question that kind of looms over this parable. And the question is this, are you, are you stewarding the life that God has given you or are you wasting your life? And that last part is is very, very significant. In fact, a thing I said last week was you could probably actually put the question this way. Are you wasting the life that God has given you or are you stewarding it? And the reason why I would flip flop is because we're going to find out Jesus spends way more content, way more time talking about the one who wastes it than the two that are that are faithful. And so I'm going to very quickly summarize The first part of this parable, if that is possible. I'm not quick at anything that has to do with preaching here. But I want to summarize very quickly the first part of this parable and then jump into the last part. And I really want to focus um, the last part on this. Why is he wasteful? What is it that this third servant gets wrong? And I think it's it's going to be a surprising thing. Or at least it it was surprising to me. So let's start at the beginning. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. So um, a few very important things to point out. The first thing is this. um, The master... In this parable, the man who goes away on the journey, the man who gives resources to these three servants, this master represents Jesus in the parable. Represents Jesus. So as you read this, I want you to see Jesus in it. These three servants, at the beginning at least, it seems as if they they all represent the same group of people. It seems as if all three servants represent those who would call themselves Christians. Christians. Those who are believers or, or the church. Now, we're going to find that this third servant, he, he might not be able to be included into that group. And so what happens is the master, Jesus, in this parable, the master gives five talents, two talents, one talent. One talent was worth 20 years worth of wages. So um, maybe around a million dollars would would be the equivalent today. Maybe a bit less than that, a bit more than that, depending on where you live. So this is not a small amount of money. It's not as if the master is going, hey, here's 50 bucks. Go go and do something with it. Here's a million dollars. First one for you, here's 100 years worth of wages. The second one, here's 40 years worth of wages. The third one, here's 20 years worth of wages. Now, as you read on, you are going to find out that there is a very, very clear understanding and assumption by both the master and the servants that they're supposed to do something with what they've been given. They both understand I'm supposed to do something with, wit, with what my master has given to me. And so um, many of you, you know how the story continues. The, the first one goes and invests and he makes five more. The second one goes and invests, makes two more. And and, and then the third one decides to bury it. And then Jesus, the, the master, comes back and... The three come forward to give an account. And I, I want us to zero in on these first two. And I want to make two points about them. The, the first thing that we find out in this parable is that we are called to be faithful with what God has given us. That, that successful stewardship for you If you're going to define what is successful stewardship, when God looks down, how does he define success for you and you and you and you and you and and all of you? Is it a certain number to be reached? Is it a certain lifestyle to have? Is it a certain amount of people that you lead to Christ? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. no. All it is is faithfulness to what I've given you. And, And to some I've given more. And to some I've given less. But... You are called to be faithful. And, and the second thing I want to point out is this line where it says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And I hope you remember this. I, I ended with a question for you to hopefully answer or at least begin to pray about it. And and my question was this, what is your little that God has given you to be faithful with? What is that one or maybe two things that God has both laid upon your heart and gifted you and and skilled you with for you to faithfully walk in? Now, I I made a distinction last week between uh, the obvious little and then the particular little. I think every single one of us have pretty much the same four things that we are all called to be faithful to. All of us have the same thing. Marriage, for those who are married, you're supposed to be, you're called to live faith to the faithful calling that God has called you to in marriage. And then Those who have kids, you are called to not just raise obedient kids. That's not faithfulness. God didn't call you to raise obedient kids who get good jobs and marry pretty people. God has called you to raise children in the gospel that they would grow up and know and walk with Jesus. We are called to faithfully raise them in that way. And then the third obvious for all of us is is our vocation, our our job that God has given us. And, and for some of you, it's, it's a stay-at-home mom. That is probably the most important job in the room right now. And then, and then for those you're working at Boeing or, or Microsoft or, or a small company or whatever it might be, God has called you to be faithful in that context. And then lastly, every single one of you have money. Some a little, some a lot, some in between, God has called you to be faithful with that money. And and here's the thing. I hope and I pray that all of us would be faithful with the obvious little. But wouldn't you agree, and I believe that you can point all throughout Scripture, that God has come alongside each and every one of us and said, I've got something that's particular to you. I have got something that I've gifted you in. I've got some skills or some resources or some time that I've blessed you with that I have not blessed other people with. And I want you to faithfully walk in that. And my challenge to each and every one of you last week, and I hope that you're wrestling with this. I hope that some of you, maybe you already have the answer to this. What is your little thing? What is that one thing God is saying? I want you to give your life to this particular thing. At least for this particular season. And 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 for some of you it's looking at this sheet and going, "I want to give my life to young life. I want to give the next 4 years to young life. And I just want to invest in five students and give my life to five students and just pour into them. And, and hopefully God will bless that. I want to faithfully do that. For, for for other of others of you, maybe it's coming alongside Vision House and you're like, I want to partner with a family and I want to pour my life into that young woman with two kids and just love her and care for her. I, I, that, that that's what God is calling me to. And, and I shared this last week, and, I, and I'll just share this until God takes it off of our heart. God has made it very, very clear for Melissa and I. The little thing he said is, I want you to take in foster kids. Just, just, just take them in. And we, we have made a commitment to one another um, because we feel such conviction before God. God, as long as we have um, a room or the space in our home to legally take a foster child in or another foster child in... We will do it. And, and so we moved about six or seven months ago. And so we had four garage bays. And to the glory of God, I knocked out a garage bay and turned it into a really cold bedroom. Um, don't worry. Um, our biological kids are in there now, so it's fine. <laughs> um, technically, it's not a bedroom. We don't have a closet in there. It's a bedroom. Um, but we've, we've just said, God, it is, as long as you give us the space to do this... We will do this. And I shared this last week. We, we, we met a couple I't I think they were in their late '60s, early '70s, and, and they take in foster kiddos. That was not crazy to us. That was, God, if you would you please allow us to do that, where we're, we take in, you know, maybe 100, 200, 300, 400 kids in our lifetime. And may God use that and bless that. And and we joke about, hey, maybe we're gonna have to get a 15-passenger van. Um, maybe we need to get a school bus. I I, I don't I don't know. We just want to grow the church, right? No, I'm teasing. <laughs> this is not about church growth. <laughs> but that that is something that God's just laid upon our hearts. And it is such a joy that Melissa and I get to do that ministry together. And I think that there are so many of you that that you have maybe have never even wrestled with that question. What's that one thing that God is saying, I want you to give your life to this? I want you to give the next five years to this or 10 years to this. What is that? What what might that be? Imagine the impact that, that you could make if you just gave your life to one thing that God is saying, I'm calling you to that. And so we we ended with that question, and now I want to turn to the very end of this parable where Jesus has a conversation with the servant who who buried the, the resource that he was called to use. And I really want to wrestle with this one big question. We're going to make a couple observations on our, on our way to answering this question. But, but the question I want us to answer is, what? why? Why does he bury it? Why does he not do it? He knows. He, he knows. We're going to see. He knows and understands. I'm supposed to do something with what my master has given to me. He knows he's supposed to do that and just simply chooses not to. I know you've never done that before. Like, I know that I should do this, and I'm just not going to do that. You've never done that in your life. I get that. But that's exactly what this man does. I know that I'm supposed to do something with this, but I'm just not. I'm going to bury it. Why? That's a big question. And I think it is the why behind every person and every Christian who is not faithful with what God has given them. So let's read. I'm going to read the parable out. We're going to make three observations. And then hopefully answer the question. It says. He also who received the one talent. Came forward. This is verse 24. Saying master. Now here's what I want you to do. Pay attention to the language that comes out of. Each of the characters' mouth, the language, the words are very particular. Saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You, you knew that I reap where I have not sown or, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has... More will be given. Now, this is observation number four. I didn't plan for, but I had to underline my Bible. This is very important here. There's another verse, um, Luke 13-ish or 16-ish. I'm forgetting in my mind. Um, 16. Jesus said, faithful with little, faithful with much. And his point is, hey, um, you, you ever met people like, if I made a lot of money, I would give so much of it away. And you're like, no, you wouldn't, because you're not giving anything away now. Faithful with little, faithful with much. And, And one of the things that you and I need to understand is it is easy to look down the road and go, oh, what if God? God, if you gave me this, if you gave me that, if you gave me this and that, imagine the impact that I could make. Imagine what I could do. If only I had this, then I could do that. And it's like we put the ball in God's court and say, okay, God, it's up to you for me to make an impact. But you got to do this, 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 and that. And God is going, but what about the stuff in front of you? Okay, you want to be generous then. Be generous now. Okay, you you want to make an impact in those 10,000 people's lives. Why don't you just make an impact in that one, one person's life right here, right now? And and Jesus is saying, hey, those who are faithful with little, I'm going to keep giving them. I'm going to keep giving them more. Okay, they're going to be faithful with this one. Okay, I want to give them two. They're going to be faithful with this five. Okay, I'm going to give them this ten. They're going to be faithful in this ministry. Okay, I'm going to give them that ministry. Faith with little, faithful with much. Are, Are we faithful with that little? For to everyone who has will more be given And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so it doesn't end well. I mean, yeah, I mean, sarcastic laugh invited. That wasn't even a sarcastic. That doesn't end well, right? I want to make a couple observations on the way here. An observation made last week, it just needs to be made again because we need to always hear this. Verse 25 at the end. It says, so I was afraid and went and hid you, your talent. So, the, so, so the, the wicked servant says, this was yours. I understand that. I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. So may we see that even the wicked servant knows and understands all that I have is not mine. It has been graciously given to me. I'm called to steward it and I beg and plead that that would be our mindset always, always. Every time you get in a car, every time you look to buy a house, every time you look to get some new furniture, every time you go shopping, every time you spend money, that every single thing you would look around and go, this, this, this has all been graciously given to me by God, and I am called to steward it. If, if you take a global picture you take a step back, and, and we talk global, and then we zero in on rent-in. when it When it comes to at least the financial side of things, we're all five talents. We are in the one, 1%. Or is it the 99%? I always get them. We're at the very top. That's all I know when, when, it comes to, when it comes to finances. So may we look around, and, and oh... How powerful it is for each and every one of us to go, none of this is mine. It is all God's. And we're all going to give an account of how how we use it. The next thing I want to point out, and this is a huge one. Notice he doesn't squander it. It's it's not like this is the parable of the prodigal. It's not as if he goes and, and uses th- these 20 years worth of wages. It's not as if he takes the million dollars and absolutely goes lavish upon himself. You know, I'm going to go buy this house for myself. I'm going to throw this party for myself. Okay, I don't get that we have cars yet, but I'm going to pay someone to learn how to make a car because this is 2,000 years ago. I'm, I'm going to do all of these things with these 20 years worth of wages. I'm going to live it up. He doesn't squander it. He doesn't. It's not as if he goes and spends it all. He just simply buries it. In fact, I can't help but wonder if the disciples who were listening to this wanted to jump in and go, but, 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 but what's the big deal? Like he gave it back. Okay, he gained none, but he, it's not like he lost. It's like even Stephen, right? And, and yet, Like we said, it doesn't end well. And I hope that this is a a call for you and I. That I think sometimes we play not to lose or we live not to lose rather than playing to win. Rather than going, okay, I've been given all this and I'm going all out. And, I'm, I'm, and I realize that this is going to be very risky. Jesus is calling us into a risky life here. He's not calling us into a place of comfort. He's calling us out of our comfort. And I wonder how many of us, w- we play not to lose. We live not to lose. Well, if, if, I go, if I go do this, that is a very, very significant amount of emotion that I'm going to give over. That is a significant amount of time. That is a ton of money. And if I, if I, if I release that, what could happen? God could use you. That's, that's what could happen. May we, may we not play not to lose. And now I want to get to Why? Why does he do nothing? It says, You wicked and slothful servant. Based upon the master's remark, you make this assumption that the reason why he doesn't is he's just wicked. He, he's just, he's lazy. That, that's what happened. That's the point of the parable. God has given you resources. God has given you time, treasure, talent. Now go and do something with them. Don't be lazy. Go and work for Jesus. It is very, very easy to read this and go, that's the problem. He just needs to get busy. He just needs to not be lazy. And that's a very dangerous trap to fall into. to, to, To read into that because if we if we think the problem is he 's just not working hard enough, he just needs to do more. you start walking into this legalism of sorts. The problem here is is not that he just needs to to do more it, it needs to be. Said once again, it was said last week and it needs to be said again. This is not a parable about salvation. It's a parable about reward. Salvation is not a reward. It's, it's a gift. It's a, it's a gift where God said, OK, I love you. I care about you. I desire you. I yearn for you so much that I'm going to give my son for you. Freely. He's going to live the life that you and I need to live for salvation. And then he's going to go and he's going to die on the cross for our sins. And, and then we are just called to take a step of faith and trust in Christ as our Savior. That's salvation. It's, it's a free gift. It's, it's not something we, we earn. And so we need to understand that this, this is not saying, hey, you just need to work harder. You guys are just lazy, so stop being lazy and get to work. That's not, that's not the point of the parable. That's not why he buries it. So why does he bury it? Why does he bury it? Look at what is said. He says, Master... I knew you. Master, I have this knowledge of you. And here's my knowledge of you. I knew you to be a hard man. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. When someone is going and picking crops from a place in which they did not plant, they would be called a thief. And that is, that is how the servant sees his master. You backtrack and you go and and see how the master engages with the faithful servants. How true is his assumption? Do we see this hard man? Or do we see the master going, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. I'm going to give you so much more. And then he says, enter into the joy of your master. You know, the biggest problem you know what the issue is? It's not that he's lazy. That's the fruit. There's a root going on. There's a root issue in his heart. And it's in his heart so deep that it's growing this fruit. And the fruit is laziness. And the fruit is wickedness. And, 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 and his heart needs to get right. And, and where his heart is completely wrong is in his knowledge and understanding of his master. That's why I would argue that he is not a believer. Because he doesn't know his master. That's like someone saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He's the worst. That's exactly what it's saying. And so the fruit is that he's lazy and he's wicked. But the heart of the issue is he doesn't have an accurate understanding of his master. And so he sees that to serve his master, it's going to be out of duty, not delight. It's going to be out of pure obligation, not desire. The problem is it's hard. And I would argue that the biggest reason why so many of us, so many unbelievers and even believers alike, why so many do not faithfully use what God has given them is because of their hearts in the wrong place. That They don't have this knowledge and understanding of the joy and the delight and the awe and the wonder of who our master is. Let me ask you this. Do you serve Jesus because you love him or do you serve Jesus because the Bible tells you so? Do you, do you hear this sermon and go, I gotta get my butt in gear. Are you kidding me? I am blowing it. Man, you know, I just need to try harder. I just need to sacrifice more. Or do you hear this and go, Jesus, what you've done for me. Your word says that you've come, that I might have life and life to the fullest. Jesus, your word says that you are interceding on behalf of me. Jesus, your word says that that you are for me and not against me. Jesus, your word says that you who knew no sin, you became sin on the cross to save me. And and if I didn't have you, Jesus, I would be dead and destined for hell. Thank you, Jesus. Why wouldn't I give my life to you? (gasps) Why? Why wouldn't I take my two talents that I don't even deserve? You just given them to me. Why wouldn't I spend my life exhausting myself to make your kingdom greater rather than making my kingdom greater? Jesus, are you? This is amazing. Which Which one do we draw closer to? Jesus, I'll follow you, and it feels like duty. Or Jesus, I will follow you. I will serve you. Because I'm crazy about you. I was, I was thinking about this this week. Think about these crazy things that, that you did or you do when you first fall in love. Did you, did you do some, some funny things, crazy things? So my crazy thing was I wrote a song for, 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 oh man, it was bad. I don't even, oh, it was so bad. Like you guys don't understand how bad at singing I am and you never will. Um, I, and and we first started dating and, um, we ended up getting engaged like a month later. Uh, you wrote a poem I do remember that. I want to find that poem. Uh, I destroyed the song. Uh, I have no idea where it's at. All I know is there was one line and I could kinda play the guitar, kind kind, kind of. And uh, I knew like G and C, so it was G, C, G, C, or G, 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 I don't even know. Um, and, and one of the lines was, Oh my goodness, I don't know if I should do this. Um, <laughs> you're laughing on the inside, aren't you? Oh, I'm no, down no, on, the, on the outside too now. Um, but it was like, I, 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 La, I, 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 You. It's true. <laughs> Boom, copyright. You steal that and I'm making you pay. Oh, Ridiculous. But, but I was like, I just want to show my affection. You, you do that. I was, I was talking um, to a friend of mine. I won't name any names. Ben, fifth row. Um, and uh, <laughs> I asked him. I said, Can I have your permission to tell a story? He, sure, sure. I said, um, and, and and Emily, who you brought here, she's actually in the story too. Emily, do I have your permission? Well, what's the story about? Oh, I can't tell you. Do I have your permission? And they said yes. Yeah. So I have their permission. Um, so I, I get a text message from Ben, um, like nine o'clock. Um, our time uh, on Wednesday-ish, no, Tuesday, Tuesday night. He says, I'm driving to Memphis. He, he lives in Louisville. He's visiting. So Louisville, Memphis, my understanding is about six hours. He says, I'm, I'm again, I have their permission. Uh, and, and he said, I'm, I'm driving to go and, and see her. And it's 9 o'clock my time, 10, 11 o'clock your time. I don't even know how far ahead you guys are. And he's driving through the night. And I'm like, oh great, you get to spend the day with her or what? No, I'm gonna be there for like two, maybe three hours. I'm like, you're crazy. And, and then he's gotta drive back, and it's not as if he gets to drive back and go to bed. He has to drive six hours there, okay, two hours spend with you, drive six hours back, and then he's gotta go to work. And, and I'm like, you are absolutely insane. And, any, any text and he texts me says okay this this is uh, maybe I shouldn't share this I'm gonna share it anyways we're a small church we love Ben here Ben would this church wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Ben Ben says I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell her I love her I'm like. What? Okay, drive. Don't die, though. Drive. And, and so he drives there, and I get a text message at, at 4.50 in the morning. I made it, and I'm like, great, and I'm praying for him. And then I get a phone call uh, two hours later, and he, I go, hey, how'd it go? It didn't go well. I said, Uh-oh. I told you you shouldn't say that. That's a big word. Um, and and he goes, oh no 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 no, not, not, okay, not not that. I didn't even get a chance. I like I was trying to help her move some things, and, and she's rushing off getting ready for work. I locked us out of her apartment. Like we didn't even get we didn't even get to spend time together. And 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 so he texts me uh, three hours later. He's like, I said it to her, and and she said it back. And I just I laughed at that because I'm like, how many, when's the last time you drove six hours to spend two hours of walking them out of their apartment and then six hours back and then going to work? You do crazy stuff when you're crazy about someone. Do we do crazy stuff for Jesus? D- do we do we go, Jesus, what you've done for me? Thank you. I- I'll drive six hours anywhere. I'll move anywhere. I'll do anything. And Jesus reminds us, "Hey, it's going it, to it may cost you your life." Okay, I'll go. Okay, I'll do it. And so the question I want you to wrestle with is is a hard one. And the question is when you think of Jesus when you think of Giving your life to serve Him? Do feelings of duty and obligation come over you? Or do emotions of gratitude and wonder and, Jesus, I, I want to give my life to serving you. I'm so in love with you. And walk in that. Now, there was a time in my life where I was a youth pastor, and I was doing it out of duty, and my heart broke. And I don't know if you've ever been in this place. Maybe you're in it now, and I want to I want to encourage you. Where you're hearing this and you're going, no, it feels like duty. I want it to be beauty. I want to love and serve Jesus. I, I want to be so crazy in love with Jesus and serve Him, but I just don't feel that, Zach. <laughs> I've been there. If you read the Bible, a lot of our Bible heroes have been there too. Read the Psalms. David lives there. Why are you so downcast, my soul? Like, I should love you, but I, I don't. And I would just invite you to get on your knees and say, Jesus, my affections for you are weak. Would you help me see and know you as you truly are? I believe God would blow you away with that prayer. Because, guys, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want the mission church to be a church that that serves Jesus because we have to. I want us to serve Jesus because we love Jesus. There's a lot of unbelievers in our world that they're going to go, I-, I want nothing to do with your Jesus. Th- this is what it looks like. You, you, you serve Jesus begrudgingly. Like You're not even happy. You're going to church today. Like, okay, what? But you know what people don't know what to do with? When you are laying your life down or Jesus, and you're filled with joy. People don't know what to do with that, other than go. God must be real to them. May that be the mission church. People who love Jesus so desperately much. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us. It's not as if we love you It's that you love us. In fact, we can't even love you without your initiating love first. So thank you for that. Father, would you help us to walk in our love for you? And Father, I want to pray a special prayer for for those here. I just want to ask you, if you are here and you're like, I just, my heart is not for Jesus. I just... I believe he died for me, I believe he loves me, I believe he cares for me, but my affections in my heart are just, there's nothing there. If that's you would, you, would you just plead with God to give you a heart for him? Would you just ask God, God, would you, by your spirit, allow me to know the height, depth, length, and width of your love, Jesus? May I be overwhelmed with your love. May you pray that. God, we we just ask that you would use us, the Mission Church, for your glory and for our good. In your name, amen.